Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you today uh, from our RVing on steroids cruise ship. (laughs) But it is uh, rocking and rolling. So if you hear some creaks in the background, it's It's the not our bones. (laughs) Bouncing in the waves as we uh, sail across the Tasman Sea. Because we are on the final stages of our circumnavigation of Australia, which has been quite an adventure for the last 28 days. And, this and, big trip up in Sydney, and we'll be ending it in Sydney. And even though we're not RVing, uh, that doesn't mean we haven't been thinking about RVing. Of course not. And, we always think about RVing. And right now I'm thinking whether I still will know how to cook when I get home after all this wonderful And whether I'll food. be able to drive on the right, <laughs> how that will go. Uh, we always want to keep our listeners posted as to what's going on, so we are sitting here in our stateroom. Well, that's kind of a... A high floating term. We're well, sitting here in, in a, a teeny small tiny space, cabin. <laughs> very similar to the sort of space you have. Uh, yeah, in a camper. Not, yeah, not much bigger than than what we had in the in the New Zealand RV. Uh, it's been a, a good home for the month, and we have seen a lot. And we will get to that in a few minutes. But uh, we want to do the usual sorts of updates in the RV world before we get started with uh, the current travel adventure. And first of all, I would do want to thank uh, listener Eric because he noticed the big gap problem. Um, for those of you who maybe downloaded the RV Navigator podcast and noticed from last month, from last month, and noticed that there was a twenty-minute gap, it was Rosemary Woods putting uh, her foot on the recording machine in the Nixon. Nixon administration, <laughs> and she had her toe way over here. Oh, this is. But unlike Nixon, who I think really did erase the tapes, I have no idea how this happened. Um, and when I do the podcast, I I edit uh, the parts of us and and it was there then and when i came to mount it on the website it was not there and uh, within two hours of me mounting it incorrectly um i had a nice email and i said that's impossible and he said no it's possible that's the way it, but when i went back and looked he at was it, right he was right we had to do a redo but we have yes and so it has been redone and if your your version of last month's uh, and that's the marsh edition uh has a, a problem with it, uh, please re-download it because it has been updated with new and fabulous information. And we also should mention that we are always anxious to hear from you, our dear Absolutely. listeners. And I remember last month we couldn't remember our phone number, <laughs> so we've carefully written it down. So if you want to give us a call, a voicemail, uh, we're at 815-230-0772. Nobody answers this phone ever, so uh, you'll just be leaving us a user, a listener comment on the RV Navigator listener comment line. And we always like to hear from you in uh, in the flesh, so to speak. And as a matter of fact, uh, one of the things that's going to happen later on in this episode is that we have an, an interview with a, an Australian listener. A and real Susan, Australian camping couple. This is, has been an, an unbelievable experience that I think these are the fourth people we've now met that listen to the RV Navigator have contacted us. Have tracked us down. Tracked us down. 
all the way in Australia and have uh, driven and come to meet us. We feel very honored that they um, have taken the time to, to visit the RV Navigator. And, of course, they're RVers or caravanners, as they say. And we want to um, hear what, what their perspective on RVing is uh, from the Australian perspective. So we will listen for that a little bit later on. But uh, first, we want to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on back home. As best we can find out, uh, the ship has very expensive Internet, uh, 70 cents a minute. So it's hard to find out what's going on back home. But we've given it a try. Do you use Facebook? No. That's because yes. I'm old. No. Well, I have a Facebook page. But I'm thinking about making one for the RV Navigator. But if you're looking for a Facebook uh, contact page, you might like to take a look at the new one done by Go RVing. Go RVing. G O. R-V-I-N-G, they're the promotional arm for the RV industry. Oh. And they have started a new Facebook page, and if you do search on Go RVing, you will find their page, and apparently it has lots of good stuff on it. But at 70 cents a minute, I really didn't want to go look at it myself, so we'll wait for a listener feedback to actually review the page, but um, it is something new. Well, from what we know about Facebook, it could be a place where you could rendezvous with other yes, RVers yes. and Chat. perhaps plan a trip with somebody or get or, tips from somebody who's yeah. already been to a place you want yes. to go. Uh, kind of like a virtual campground fire. Oh, that sounds very cool. That's and how I would do that. along that same it. line, uh, we want to remind you about uh, using TripAdvisor because even though we're, we are not RVing at the moment, we do use TripAdvisor when we are Traveling in, in, anywhere, in traveling. any way. TripAdvisor is a great website for people to communicate with other people. And what we really about. use it for is reviews of, in the RVing world, um, destinations. Destinations. Uh, when you get to an tours. area, what's worth seeing, which tours are better than the others and um, it's always fun to read because you'll get a variety of different reactions because people are different and you have to kind of uh, pr- uh, think of what their mindset is when they were having the experience and and somebody who is an right. old fart couple like us right. is going to be looking for different things than a young family is exactly. but it, it really gives you good insights on how to best use your time in an area that you haven't visited and, before you know lots of times there are multiple choices of uh, things that seem to be very similar and it's a good idea idea to check out the perspective of different people uh, because these are reviews that are written by people who have been there and they also have uh, in the for the forum they have usually an expert who lives in the city who or in the place and and will provide you with specific feedback um, you know so if you're looking for inexpensive hotels if you're looking for campgrounds if you're looking for tours we have made numerous selections based on on the overall reports in TripAdvisor. And they're having a, a rival. Oh, it looks like it. And new this month is a travel review site called TravelPost.com. And this is sponsored by Kayak, who's the airline ticket consolidator. And they're quite critical of uh, TripAdvisor because it has too much advertising, and they think that they can do it better. So a little bit of competition on the Internet is always good, so you might want to take a look at Travel Post, although it probably doesn't have a lot of content at the moment. Um, it is a good place to uh, – it could be a good place to get similar sorts of reviews. And certainly after you've had a travel experience, it would be incumbent <laughs> on you to write a review of Ooh. things that you've seen that you've liked or didn't like. Yeah. Yes, and uh, 
people do pay attention to this because I wrote a rather scathing review of a bike tour company who stood us up oh, in, in Sydney. Sydney. And within 24 hours, I heard from the owner of that company, Ooh. and he was extremely mad. But and asked me to take down the review, and I wouldn't do it <laughs> because the review was accurate. Yeah, we did and have I a said, bad experience. And, and I, we did have a bad experience. It's nice to know that you have some leverage with companies that uh, that are offering services because often if you have a bad experience, you think, you just kind of have it's to... It's just frustrating. It boils within yourself, and you don't have anything to do about it. And I certainly don't advocate going out and you know being vindictive, and I wasn't. You know, I just told exactly... What happened with this uh, particular disappointing situa- company? D- disappointing company. They have to answer for that themselves. And being that he only had four reviews, and one of them was it was yours, <laughs> was mine. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, he paid that attention, hurt. and he was quite upset about it, and called me some rather nasty names. But that's the way it goes. As we're coming to the end of our trip, it's making us start to think about being home again. And certainly, when we were still home this winter, there was a lot of bad news from the RV industry as a reflection of the bad news of the economy as a whole. And some of the news has been has been still bad. We you know we heard that Monica went out of business, uh, Dutchman went out of business. Um, there were only Fleetwood, two Class A manufacturers left, Class A left, manufacturers right? left, Newmar and Tiffin. Tiffin. But I think uh, spring is on the way here and that there are some um, green shoots popping up around and that maybe there's a, a turnaround coming in the RV industry, too. You know, as I read the message board, this is, I'm going to do a little R&R here. Yes. A little rant and rave. All right. I'll <laughs> kick my shoes off and settle back for a while. <laughs> Go to it. Well, I don't want to go. I don't want to go off on too high a horse, but I read the message boards, and a lot of people say that the downturn in RVing is because of poor quality and the companies that have been mismanaged, and and they are just so sure that it's the fault of the RV industry itself for the the downturn in RV sales. And I don't really think that's the case at all. <laughs> Looking at the overall economy, we see tons and tons of companies that have gone out of business and that have had to restructure. And certainly housing industry is, is a good example. To me, the RV industry has had a two-pronged punch. Yes. Punch one was the horrible prices of yes. gasoline last summer, right. and then punch too is the bad economy. If people are worried about losing their job or paying for their mortgage, they're not going to go out and buy a new RV. That's just a fact of life. But by the same token, I think that, oh, you're joining the R&R here, huh? <laughs> I put my shoes back on. <laughs> so, but I, so I think it's. I think the RV industry will turn around um, and that uh, if these companies can weather the storm, that they will come out uh, in better. And I think the overall RV industry probably need a little shakeout because it had gone through so many boom years. And that they may have been a result, as a result of that, there may have been some problems with quality and things. But overall, I think that the RV industry will be strong in the not-too-distant future, and we're beginning to see some things that uh, that actually indicate that. Uh, some of these companies, I think, are trying to innovate and uh, put out products that are much easier on the gas consumption and um, make them more economical to drive and to have. And that's a response to punch number one, which was the high price of the... 
And as a matter of fact, we see um, Winnebago, who seems to be in pretty good shape these days, has uh, actually introduced a brand new Class A, which is uh, agreed somewhat smaller, an 11,000-pound GVRW, or (laughs) gross vehicle weight anyway. It's going to get 15 miles to the gallon, but yet it is a nice... RV. I think it would be completely satisfactory for has a, slide out. a couple like us. It has a slide out. It's 25 feet weight. long and has a studio loft um, with spare beds for the kids. And it just looks like a very nice and intelligently based um, you know, RV that, uh, that will get better gas mileage. Twice as good a gas mileage as our current RV, which is nice to see. We also notice that Shasta has a new lightweight trailer. And as we look around uh, Australia here... I think many of the Australians are laughing at us in many ways. I've been diligently reading the RV magazines from Australia, which is really interesting. But, of course, their RVs are nothing like ours and uh, dramatically smaller, and they pull them with much smaller vehicles. Even though from our perspective they don't need to be because there's plenty of room here and the roads are spacious. Yes. And we see many bus-type vehicles that are much longer than our RV, so you could handle a Class A-type motorhome here, but they don't drive them very much. And the reason why is because they're European-based rather than Uh American-based. If they used America as its model, it would be the big RVs. Uh But they these are more thrifty. And they're left-hand drive, so they have to buy them from... Europe and places, England in particular, so that... Or do uh, they make them here? They do make them, but they have to be left-hand drive. Yeah. And there are a few large ones, but uh, these small travel trailers um, that they call caravans are very light, usually in the 4,000-pound range, so they can be pulled by almost any decent-sized vehicle that you don't have to buy a pickup and have a diesel engine and all that sort of stuff. You can pull them with just your family sedan, and we see lots of them. We've seen lots of them on the road. So that's a definite possibility that the whole United States market may be just going smaller, and that will make people happier because not only is the price less, but the fuel mileage. And you can pull them with smaller vehicles, which seem to be the trend. Hmm, I don't know if you'd be able to pull it with a Prius, but something similar. (laughs) Anyway... We have an article here about uh, RV parks investing in upgrades. It's about how so many RV parks are investing in new facilities and upgrading the facilities because they see the downturn as just a a bump in the road and that overall having increased business. And I think RVing is still going to be a very economical way to travel and that uh, many families will find it a lot of fun. And we also find, uh, as a last story, that... uh, Country Coach, which we've reported is going out of business, has now been restructured and will be uh, once again building coaches. And they're they're due to build some 42 coaches this year. And with a brand new business model, they're going to be selling direct to the public. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, we hate to see these companies go out of business, but if they're not managed correctly, then that 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 could happen. But going direct to the public and not selling through dealers is going to be an interesting situation. So well, stay these tuned. bad times force companies to be innovative, and yeah. ultimately we're and better they can't off afford for the dealer network for their innovation. Often, yes. So stay tuned. There will be lots of new news about uh, these innovations as time goes along. But we thought we'd bring you up to date with just a few of our thoughts. Okay, rant and rave over. <laughs> The RV industry is healthy from our perspective. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yes, we want to talk a little bit about the carbon footprint. (laughs) This is an interesting article that we find that I'll put a uh, link to on the RV Navigator. Oh, we didn't put this in. The RV Navigator webpage at rvnavigator.com. 
I guess everybody knows that, though, don't they? <laughs> if they're listening, they already found it, I guess. Well, not necessarily. No. You could just get it right off of iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. Uh, if you are thinking about doing an RV vacation and somebody comes to you and says, how could you waste all that money by driving around? This article, which is in the... No, di- it's not about the money. It's about the impact on the environment of your carbon footprint. But everything you money. do once you get out of bed in the morning has an impact on the carbon footprint. It's, carbon footprint. If you're a real green, ecological type person, you run around with a guilty conscience all day long. Carbon footprint is not economics? No. It's your impact on the environment. Mostly okay. CO2, I would say, in terms of driving. Well, okay, that's what the article is about. That our carbon footprint is much less in RVing than any other, well, than other than types Than taking of- a plane slash hotel slash car vacation. And let's be fair here, the main impact of that vacation on the carbon is the plane part. But when you want to go to Australia, there isn't any other way to get here. So coming to Australia was not carbon friendly? It was not an ecologically friendly move, no. <laughs> Well, it seemed like a good article. Anyway, the article mentions that it's 50% more carbon efficient to RV than it is to fly drive. You can prove anything with numbers. Well, it's a good thought anyway. <laughs> she shoots me down every step of the way. Or I can't get away with anything. I'm trying to promote RVing. Okay, a uh, little technology. Don't have a lot of technology stuff to talk about, although I have found some really interesting things in the RV magazines from Australia and New Zealand that I'll be sharing with you later. But one of the things I found was a battery voltage chart. (laughs) I can see her eyes glazing over already. Uh, the battery voltage chart is something that's critical, though, because the batteries in your RV, you don't want to let them go below 50%. And one of the problems that you have is, is that you never, I never quite know what voltage is, is 50%. Oh, <laughs> I know that sounds stupid. 50% of 12 volts is 6. But you don't know when they're at 6 volts? Is that the problem? <laughs> no, that's not the problem. And when you six use volt- 6 volts? No. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm going to have trouble already. <laughs> Be- because 6 volts is not really have anything to do with it because it's not a log it's not a proportional sort of setting as a matter of fact 12.63 volts is 100% charged but a 50% charge is 12.18 volts well that makes no sense yeah, well, that? that's, well, that's the problem. That's why it has not been. That's why it has not been. It's not obvious. And what you do is you now. The way I have it is is that because we have a solar charger, it has a meter which tells me the voltage at the batteries. Because I like to keep my batteries in good shape. Um, we pray I, I, for sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> but even when we don't pray for sunshine and then we're using the batteries, we want to know what the charge is. So by no, having this little chart, which I'm going to include in, in the RV Navigator website, that uh, it has a, the chart which tells you how charged your battery is at each voltage. Is it like decibels or an Des- algorithm or something? I don't know what it is. It makes but no sense. It's- this is like carbon footprinting. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just something I don't know anything about. The battery voltage in your 12-volt battery is at 11.82 volts. You have only 10% of your charge left. So that means you've used up quite a lot of your battery. And as a general rule, you don't want to let your batteries get below 50%, which, as I mentioned, is 12.18 volts. So with your digital voltmeter, which you put on your batteries, 
then you can check to see what the what's what how much of the capacity is left. So that if you use your batteries up too fast, you know you have to buy some more batteries. Anyway, uh, well, this is something I have to worry about. Will you just turn on the lights and start using stuff and wonder why the batteries aren't working? So that's my problem. <laughs> not my job. And not your job. <laughs> so I guess I never will expect you to understand that. But for those of you out there who are concerned about your batteries, for whom it is a job. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, so so much so much for RV technology. <laughs> Well, I also found an, an interesting article about new solar panels. So if you're thinking about buying solar panels, you might want to consider uh, waiting just a bit because these new solar panels are very thin and they can be rolled up. And that means that you can put them in all sorts of different places because they're not the hard, rigid ones that we have now. Um, and so that sounds like something that we are going to be anxiously awaiting. And it sounds like they are uh, right uh, on the cusp of being put on the market right now. So... Um, roll-up RV panels, which you could probably roll out in the whole roof of your RV and use them. And last but not least, uh, Jensen TV has some nice new TVs that are rated for RVs, and they have a heavy-duty chassis. And one of the things that's cool is that they're LCDs that run on 12 volts. Um, They're made for boats and RVs, which is nice, but they're made to be shook and shaken and and will take the the kind of uh, use that uh, would be in the inside of an RV. So take a look at www.ltmrv.com, which will take you to the Jensen TVs. And you will find uh, a 19-inch and, um, wow, they go up to 42 inches, which is nice because we're always looking for nice little... RV and and 12-volt ones to RV TVs. Now on to our impressions about Australian camping. Well, we we certainly haven't been camping, and we've been on a cruise ship and getting off periodically and doing tours. Tours. Um, but certainly I've noticed a number of holiday parks, as campgrounds are called around here. Uh, so they seem to be very common, and they seem to be well attended. And, yes. we, and we've passed a fair amount of RVs on the road, especially on the weekends, just as you would at home. But it, once again, they are the small RVs. We haven't seen anything uh, like the big Class A's that uh, travel the highways at home, but uh, people around here do seem to do a lot of RVing. And one of the things that uh, has struck me was is that there are outback RVs, which is something we don't see a lot of. They're not the uh, the garage based RVs that uh, that you see that have the ATVs in the back and stuff. Oh, the toy haulers. Yeah, the toy haulers. They are hardened RVs that are designed to go across the desert <laughs> through the outback. Because much of the interior of Australia is not paved, not paved, and so they have. So it'd be like going four wheeling, but with a travel trailer. Exactly, Um, which is kind of an interesting idea. Taking all your stuff with you and hitching up, and they have heavy duty hitches, and and the undercarriage is very high off the ground, and it's uh, reinforced underneath with a very sturdy frame, so that it can go places that you wouldn't ordinarily go. And one RVer was telling us that when you see a sand dune, you just go up and over it. I'm not sure I would do it. Only in a rental. <laughs> Drop that puppy in four-wheel drive and away you go. I don't know. No, you can't do it with the rentals, we found out. 
And another thing that was kind of cool, uh, we were having lunch in a resort, which had a campground attached to yes. it. So we ate lunch very fast and went down and spent our time in the campground. And talked to people. And uh, this campground advertised N Suite sites. E-N-S-U-I-T-E. And what that meant was that every site had a little every cabana site. on it. And in that cabana was um, all the toilet facilities that you would typically find in a Class A motorhome or in a KOA campground. So this was to bring a little bit of convenience to the less well-equipped RV, which is a really neat idea. And they were quite economical to our way of thinking. They were about $20 a night U.S. um, and nice So that's the equivalent of full hookups. Nicely landscaped. Yes, and and having your own private bathroom and shower and washing facility. I don't mean washing machines, but... uh, Washing your body facility. Well, and a sink and things for for your kitchen. And it had a door that locked, so if you had some precious jewels that you wanted to keep safe, you could even tuck those inside there. there. Or something like that. And we asked people about this in-suite camping, which is something we did not find in New Zealand. And we found out that it is actually quite common in Australia. And looking at some of the other uh, camping materials, uh, now we see the N-Suite listing um, is quite common. Um, this site did not have the communal kitchen and that sort of... Uh, that we saw in New Zealand. That we saw in New Zealand, but uh, I'm assuming that they're available in Australia also. When we decided to do this trip, we debated long and hard yes. whether to RV in Australia or not. Um, as you know, we were quite satisfied with our RVing experience in Very New Zealand. So. Yes. But this country is huge. It's as big as the United States, and all of the action, yeah. almost, takes place on the circumference. And it has definite climate zones. And so when we thought about spending three or four days driving between one attraction and another, it made sense to us just to jump on a cruise ship and let the ship drive us from one place to another. Right. Uh, because it's just, the distances are just too great. And, and, you know, you're paying by the night for an RV and to drive all that way and have to pay the rental cost um, for those days that you're not really seeing things is to me kind of a waste and and many of the more prominent uh, cities in Australia are on the eastern coast. So I'm kind of thinking in my mind that would be like flying to the United States and renting an RV in Maine and f- driving it all along the coast to Florida. And while that certainly is possible, you need a good chunk of time to do that. And uh, this is just not a country that you can visit in a short period of, course, of time, even in a month. And, of course, just visiting the east coast like that, you would be missing huge amounts of the rest of the country. And you would not really get an accurate picture so of what it's all like. I'm not sure that renting an RV unless there are very specific things that you want to see and do that are specific to an area is really viable in Australia. And just like our country, this is a big land and the weather changes depending on where in the land that you are and you wouldn't come to um, Chicago area where we live right. in the winter unless you were out of your mind and uh, the temperature varies just as much within this country as well. So unless you're going to spend a whole year doing this. So within our cruise, we've had some extremely hot and humid and tropical weather that I would equate with the worst that Florida has to offer. And as as we're approaching Sydney here in the autumn, um, it's quite cool. Um, Yes. 
And you could certainly camp in this weather, but you couldn't sit outside and read without a campfire. And there doesn't seem to be any place that's kind of compact. You know, a lot of these uh, people come and they go to Alaska. <laughs> Not that Alaska's compact, but it is doable in two or three weeks. You can get a good you impression can, you of can, it. You can rent an RV and do two or three weeks in Alaska and do a pretty good job, I think. You can do um, kind of a, a swath up to middle if you want to do some of the big national parks like, like Grand Canyon and up to Yellowstone and Glacier in that area, and that you could do in two or three weeks. Uh, there doesn't seem to be an area like that in Australia. You have to drive vast distances, and when you get there, there is a specific attraction that you might want to look at, like the Great Barrier Reef, but in between, there's not a lot to do. And I was also uh, surprised by how naturally dangerous Australia is. <laughs> you know, we hear about these shark yes, attacks yes. every once in a while, but the whole time we were in the north, which is the tropical area of Australia, um, and it was very hot. You couldn't go swimming because there are very dangerous jellyfish in the water, in addition to the sharks. Uh, you also had to be very careful not to stand by any body of water because there are crocodiles all over the place. And these animals are extremely large and aggressive, much mm-hmm. more awesome than our American alligator, they talk I would about say. Our, they talk about our alligators as being kind of tame and docile. They have 18 of the 20 most poisonous snakes <laughs> in the world and poisonous spiders. And they and don't every has a story. Don't sit down on the toilet without looking for the red back black spider. And I, I was like, oh, I don't want to get out of the car. So that's something else to think about when you are outside of big cities is the natural. Well, and uh, we are not attuned to that sort of thing. So you could easily run into some fairly big problems if you were to <laughs> if you were to go to these places and not know, not expect. Or you might you want find. to take a caravanning tour. Yes. And as we know, uh, both uh, tracks as well as fantasy RV tours offer caravans that uh, organize tours of the East Coast, right? The East Coast, yeah. Pretty much what we've been talking about with uh, quite a lot of driving. But uh, interestingly enough, we found a fairly uh, <laughs> interesting sort of website that is Kiwi-based. So they offer tours, RV for the new For the New Zealanders to come and visit Australia by caravan. Oh, exactly, which would be very cool because not only, not only could you meet a, a bunch of very interesting people from a different country who speak English, but you could. More or less. And they have, they have a huge number of uh, RV caravans that uh, spend time in, New, in, in Australia, and they do things like the Outback. Which, which we haven't seen yet at all. The RV caravans in the United, uh, originating in the United States don't do this either. So uh, I'll put that website up, um, but that's the, hmm, the Kiwi, Kiwi, Kiwi Travel Club. Club.co.nz. Dot .nz. Well, I'm speaking to mostly <laughs> Americans. NZ for New Zealand. Oh, yes. We do have some interesting <laughs> language we, we, differences. Yeah, we've me. got a whole new vocabulary think, since think, coming uh, down this here. This will be a good time for us to introduce Al and Sue, who are listeners to the RV Navigator podcast. And we met them um, late in f- March, uh, just before we left on the cruise, and we did a, a brief interview with them. And I think it's time to, to listen to the interview. Let's do that. Well, listeners, we are here in Australia, believe it or not, and we have actually latched on to a couple of RVers who are Australians, and we are anxious to get a perspective on how RVing is different in Australia than it is in the United States, and where better to hear about it than from somebody from Australia. We're here with uh, Al and Sue, and they are longtime RVers. 
Uh, no, not that long. We've um, had a caravan, or what you guys call a travel trailer, for how long have we had that? About four, five years, I yeah. would say. Yeah, so um, before that, it was camping with mm-hmm. tents or, uh, you know, like for, for many yeah. years. But, um, yeah, the, the lifestyle has uh, appealed to me, you know, to, to the point where, you know, I think that's where the long-term lies. Uh-huh. So you're not quite ready to retire yet, I assume. No, I've got um, at least 10 years before that can happen. He's ready to retire, but he can't. <laughs> Believe me, we all are. <laughs> we waited a long time. Is there such a thing as a full-timer here in Australia? Uh, there are many full-timers, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty popular... What would be the typical type of uh, vehicle that they would use? Well, by far the most popular is uh, the caravan style. They're travel trailer. Travel trailer, yes. <laughs> but there are a lot of uh, motorhomes as well. So, you know, there's, there's a wide range of vehicles and, and some, you know, out of the back of a van almost. So, But um, the caravan would be, be by far the most popular. And, and you were talking about the Class A's like, uh, like we own are, are really not very popular here, that people actually take city buses and convert them? Well, that's... That's one way to do it. Um, the the Class A motorhomes uh, manufactured from mm-hmm. new are, are very expensive. You, you know, I, I, I imagine it's a, a money saving venture to um, to you know use a, a pre owned or pre used bus and mm-hmm. and convert that. Um, I did see uh, almost a double decker bus. Really? Where um, you know that was uh, in, in Australia. There were a, a car loaded underneath. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a, a very, very tall bus mm-hmm. that, um, on some sort of mechanism where it um, stored it underneath. Rather than towing it the way Rather we Rather than would. towing it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, um, it uh, rode up on a ramp and the ramp slid in underneath the bus, mm-hmm. but the driver sat about 10 feet up really? in the air. You know, was, <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sue, so you must, the whole family must go on this trip, right? Um, yeah, we're keen to make um, travelling around our, our retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids have been with us for all our trips so far, but as they've gotten a bit older, then they're probably not as interested in coming with us. Oh, really? Is that because of the destinations or because they don't like the lifestyle? Or, or they've got girlfriends. Ah. Um, <laughs> and they won't fit. <laughs> there isn't room for the girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think it's uh, a little bit daggy to be going away with mum and dad, yeah. but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, one, one trip I did it was just myself and my son. You mm-hmm. know, that was uh, our youngest son. He was about sixteen, 16. at the time, mm-hmm. and that was good. You know, we just went away for a week and uh, travelled in. That was uh, so. We are near Sydney, and you live just outside of Sydney. Yeah, well, a couple hours, two and a half half hours drive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which to us is not, not a very no. big distance at all. So, where would you go on a um, holiday? We have been down to Victoria. I have family down there. Um, Tell our American audience where Victoria is. Victoria is um, um, south-east of, of the mainland Australia. Uh-huh. Um, probably uh, the capital, Melbourne, would take uh, about 10 hours to drive mm-hmm. from Sydney. Does um, anybody ever camp in the outback? Oh, yeah. So you can, I don't mean boondock, which means being without free utilities, free camping, yeah. yes. But there are campgrounds in the outback. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, I, I haven't been out, out that way, but I, I know people who have. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, there might be uh, a station, for instance, or a, a station, what do we call it? A, a, ran- a large a ranch, ranch, a ranch, yes. <laughs> that might have a, an RV um, 
uh, part part to it, um, or you know, free camp, or there'll be uh, you know, most towns have got some sort of uh, well, caravan park. When we were in New Zealand, we saw a lot of campgrounds that had hotel or cabin type facilities in addition to the camping places. That's is that the case here too? That's very popular. Yeah, that's yeah. very common. In fact, the um, you saw some uh, photos that I sent you um, mm-hmm. some time ago, and they had uh, next to our little shoebox. Um, there was yes. a, a big RV yeah, next yeah, to it, yeah. or a big yeah. fifth wheel. Up there, they uh, you know that's like a, a purpose made facility for big rigs. And uh, you know they have room for um, what do you call get-togethers? Oh, um, rallies, rallies, rallies. Yeah, yeah. Oh. that's a casino, isn't it? They have the big yeah a casino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have um, you know room for you know big rallies, big get-togethers, different clubs, mm-hmm. and um, they have um, uh, you know they cater for just about everything. But they also have a few cabins for. For people that either, for whatever reason, they don't have their RV with them, or um, you know, even visitors mm-hmm. that, that don't have RVs mm-hmm. that want to come and visit the full timers or whatever. And they're also they also um, have um, manufactured homes on that side, so they're opening different stages where you know you can own a home and park your RV next to it. Yes, and then in Florida. yeah, and just go whenever you like. You know, go. So your caravan is a bit different than any we've ever seen in the United States. So maybe you could spend a few minutes describing it and what do you tow it with and how does it hook up? And mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a, um, I think it's about a 16 to 17 foot um, caravan. It has a pop top, which means no. the roof um, pops up about a foot. Mm-hmm. When which is very different than a pop-up for us. It, and it's a solid piece, not canvas. No, the... the Pop top, the surround is canvas. Oh, it is. The roof is fiberglass or solid. But there's it's solid wall up to here. It's solid wall up to my height. Yeah. 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 Whereas a pop top in the United States is all canvas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The whole thing is it's only about two feet high. Okay. Above the wheels, yep. and then yeah. the whole thing pops up. It's yeah, kind of- we have those too. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So we call that the, this one a pop-top caravan. The ones without the pop-top are full mm-hmm. vans. Mm-hmm. Um, and ours is a little bit unique. There are other manufacturers starting to make these now as well, where, um, as I said, it was about 16 to 17 feet mm-hmm. in length, and we have uh, the ends pop out, to, oh, yeah. So we have uh, double beds on each end. Uh-huh. So quite comfortably sleep four, plus a dinette that can be made into a small mm-hmm. double bed maybe. Yeah. Um, you could sleep another you yeah. know, two small people in there or children. And then you have a full kitchen? Yep. Yeah, we have a... With a microwave. With a microwave. Yes, with a microwave. Yeah. Um, and air conditioner. A, a gorilla. Oh. Yeah, there's a, an air conditioner in there. And you tow this with? A Mitsubishi Pajero. Which is a uh, it's a four wheel drive, um, three point five liter petrol. I have it on the LPG as well. Helps with the price a little bit. Mm-hmm. Really, LPG is cheaper than oh. than oh, gas. Yeah. it's less than half. Wow! Less than half. But you do use a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as efficient, but um, you don't yeah, lose it's any power though. And of course, for us, refueling a LPG would be. A challenge. Virtually impossible. So you just pull up to a 
Up to about up to most service stations. Most, mm. most have um, an L, uh, well, what we call gas. Mm-hmm. Um, an LPG. There's Pro- another Pro- di- propane, right? There's another difference. Propane, Pro- yeah, propane. 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 But yeah. it's a mixture of propane and yeah. another. Yeah, we just pull up and you have, you have like two a separate, two separate, yes, inlets for your in the, fuel in the same flat. The flat pops out. So came from the factory like this. Uh, no, no, no. It was, oh. it was installed afterwards. Luckily, with our with our vehicle, a lot of them they have to take the pe- original petrol tank out, yeah, the the gas yeah, tank, yeah. and um, put a smaller tank in. With ours, we could retain the original plus yeah. have the gas. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they put the outlet or the inlet in, you know, in the regular under the mm. normal flap. And but it um, must be obviously sealed. Yeah. Um, well, it's got a valve. In there and and solenoid valves everywhere, so it is so, sealed. So it's very safe. Yeah, I've never seen one blow up. Uh, well, this obviously, it does happen, but gas tanks ru- yeah, rupture yeah, yeah. also. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, this uh, is just totally beyond our scope of experience. Here's another thing that they're they're doing here. If you don't um, see this very often, you probably wouldn't have it. But they are fitting LPG to diesels now. Really? To apparently make them more efficient mm-hmm. and provide a little bit more power so that when the diesel gets squirted into the cylinder, a little bit of LPG goes really? in there as well and provides a cleaner burn or, you know, a more efficient. Well, I guess we can look forward to some <laughs> changes in our, <laughs> in our engines. And Things we be, should be doing. Things yeah. we should be doing. So you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you've learned a little bit about how we – RV in the United States. So, how is this different than, uh, or what are some of the differences that you've noticed with uh, camping in in Australia? I, I think um, the locations are different for starters. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> um, but apart from that, I, I think um, your your infrastructure is a little bit better than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe due to the, or I would think due to the population. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, rigs tend to be a little bit bigger than ours, mm. although we have big ones but not as many. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Proportionately, we have more big ones maybe. Yeah. Because we have plenty of small rigs too. People starting out in small families and young couples mm. camp in little things too in the United States. Uh, we don't have the, the rental number of rental companies that... Uh, that I, I don't know how easy it is to rent an RV in the United States. We're getting we're getting word from the back room <laughs> that it's that it's pretty easy. We mostly see them in Alaska. That's where a lot of yeah, people rent. Yeah, and of course, if you want to go, yeah, Alaska is a, is a fabulous place. And they look a little bit gaudy. The rentals that you have in the United yes. States, I've seen it in that movie. You know, ad- Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> well, they often have advertising and logos on them. On the rentals, yeah. yeah, yeah, that wasn't too far. Well, it's been a real pleasure meeting you, and uh, we're very glad that you that you contacted us and <laughs> and invited us to uh, to visit you here in Australia, and we're glad to be here. It's been a thrill. It's been a thrill. Well, yep. it's been a thrill for us as well um you know i've been listening to you for a couple of years now and um you know it's you know it's been great that you've managed to um, fit us into your busy schedule <laughs> well we, we always wonder who listens and it's uh, it's great people like you who send us emails and uh, and contact us and so that you know that's what what keeps us doing the podcast so we will uh Quit giving ourselves accolades and uh, call it an evening. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, I guess you could tell what, one of the problems that we had with the interview was is that we were using just the two microphones that we have for four people. So I hope that you could hear all of the comments, uh, even though some of them were kind of said off microphone. 
but we had a good time with them. We um, we we did that uh, in their hotel room when they came to visit us uh, in Sydney, and we are very appreciative for them to have taken the time to to drive to see us. And I think you probably got some of the differences in the language. <laughs> we all speak English, but we have a hard time understanding some of the things that they say. And likewise, as hard as we try to incorporate the words from the other country into our vocabulary, there are still problems like gas. <laughs> is it what's gas? Petrol. No, gas is LPG. Oh. <laughs> That's exactly what you said in the interview. Oh. I obviously wasn't listening. <laughs> well, you didn't just hear it, but uh, I just edited it, and <laughs> that's exactly what you said. We've been listening to a lot of comedians on the ship. From Australia. From Australia. And they... And about 85% of what they say is intelligible and humorous to us, but then there's that other 15% where we just look at each other and think, what is he talking about? Exactly. And they use words that we just... We don't know. We just don't understand them. But luckily, we are sharing a dinner table with a couple from Australia, and they get badgered with all of our questions at the end of every day because we keep discovering things that we don't have a clue about. That's the fun of travel. So, would we come back to Australia? Sure. Sure. Would we recommend that you come back with an RV? Mm, probably and not. Maybe with an organized RV caravan tour but probably not if you're planning on seeing the whole country and i would say if you come to australia do it in chunks don't try to do the whole thing it's impossible yeah which of course would be get to be fairly expensive and i think you know you kind of give the same advice if you were coming to the united states Mm -hmm. so although we could do new zealand fairly easily in a month or we did a we did a pretty good pretty job. good job, and we could always go back there. But I think we we felt we saw the major attractions for you to go from Sydney to Perth in Australia in one trip would be suicidal. Suicidal, that would be multiple day trip. So with that, we will turn it back over to next month and hope that you come back and listen because the RV Navigator will have lots of interesting things to say about our trip home, I'm sure, if we we, recover. Once we've arrived, gotten back the day that we lost, crossing the international dateline and recovered from the jet lag. So although it is April 1st here, it is only March 30th. 31st at home? Or is it 30? 30 at home, and we still don't understand that, but... We will find out because we'll be picking up that day as we travel across the International Dateline on the way home. So we'll be talking to you next month from back in the old USA. 